Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks podcast. This is your favorite sexy librarian, Rose Carraway. And today I have a very, a couple of very special episodes for you guys. Um, I am once again going to go ahead and give you another sample story taken from Rachel Kramer Bussell's The Big Book of Orgasms, 69 Sexy Stories. But before I get to that, I want to remind you guys that I actually had the Rachel Kramer Bustle sitting right here in my studio, talking on a microphone, hanging out with me. And if you would like to hear that interview slash conversation, um, head on over to the Sexy Librarians blogcast in iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe there. Um, and you will get to download that whole episode. It's like an hour long episode. Um, we hung out, we chatted about erotica, the benefits of erotica. We chatted about a ton of stuff. Um, after I kind of got her a little lubed up with some champagne and cheese and crackers and stuff. So head on over to the Sexy Librarian blogcast and catch some Rachel Kramer bustle in the flesh. All right. Today's episode, I should say episodes. Um, I've got two stories coming your way. The first one is another story taken from Rachel Kramer Bustle's The Big Book of Orgasms, and it is the story titled The Massage, and it's actually written by a sexpert. Lady Cheeky is in the house today bringing us her story, The Massage, and you know, who best to talk about orgasms than the one and only Lady Cheeky? I was actually excited about that. So, And by the way, The Massage is based on true events. But don't tell her you know that. I want to prepare you, though. There is another full-length story from another author that actually wrote a story in the Big Book of Orgasms. Her name is Malin James, and she writes erotic all over the place. And I asked her if she would pretty please write a story just for the lurid listeners out there for the KMQ, and she said yes. And let me tell you, this story is fantastic. It is titled Bound Unbound, and it will come to you right after the massage. So go ahead and sit back and listen to Lady Cheeky's The Massage. I found him on Craigslist. It was difficult not to think about the week of Nancy Grace shows I would undoubtedly be featured on, should this man be a psychopathic sexual sadist. The Craigslist ad had seemed very perfunctory, and the ensuing email exchange quite professional. Yet for this type A personality, the website seemed the only option to find a special massage. I quelled my paranoia with the reassurance that most psychopathic sexual sadists would not couch their special services with phrases like yoni worship and sensual release, but I knew I was just rationalizing. The masseur was very respectful, which for me is huge. I find it unseemly to be crass when you hardly know a person, even if you both know what you're there for. He explained he was a professional, licensed massage therapist and had been doing this for more than 15 years, which put me at ease. As I began to take off my robe, he stopped me. He had me stand in front of him as he took my glasses off and put them on the coffee table. 
He then took my hair down from my ponytail, untied my robe, and slipped it off my shoulders. He helped me onto the table, put a sheet over me, sat behind my head, and began to give me a great firm back and head massage, slowly moving down my body, just like a regular massage. But, oh, now he was massaging my ass. He got in the crack and that was so close to my very wet pussy. I loved the tease, the drawn-out taunting of what was to come. He massaged my body, yes, but after a while, he made his way to my thighs. Then, while working them, he brushed his fingers past my slit. Just the grays made my body twitch. He did this off and on, each time getting a little deeper into the folds of my pussy, sometimes even tapping his finger on the edge of the mound, just above my clit. This was making my body even more curious and expectant. All my attention was on my pussy. The sensuality of this complete stranger massaging my body was like going skinny-dipping for the first time. Freeing. When I flipped over, he began slowly massaging my head, neck, shoulders, and breasts, playing with my nipples, running his hand sensually over my stomach. This was all part of the build-up. His touch made me want to touch my nipples myself, so I did, while he massaged my feet and moved up my legs. Then, while massaging my inner thighs, he grazed my slit. Now my heart was beating fast. I found myself writhing a bit on the table. I was dying for him to just maul my pussy, but he was in control. And I liked that. I opened my legs for him so he knew I wanted it. He spread open my swollen lips with one hand while softly rotating his other hand's index finger around my hole. He began to rub, circle, and pet the area around my clit, sometimes making his hand shake, not unlike a vibrator. His fingers continued circumnavigating and polishing my hole, and then the opening to my ass, gently probing a bit inside both spaces. During all this, his fingers descended on my clit and surrounding area. He was doing this softly, but with purpose, getting a bit firmer. One finger entered my crevice, and he began to massage my G-spot, tapping without a specific tempo. With the pressure and expectation building, my hips ground in the air. I moaned, tweaking my nipples, massaging my tits, arching my back. Then he did something no one had done before, and it felt extraordinary. He took his left hand away and began quickly finger-fucking me with power and precision. At the same time, the palm of his hand slapped the top of my pussy, hitting my already swollen and sensitive clit. The combination of him hitting my G-spot and stimulating my clit with his palm was so intensely pleasurable, I nearly flipped off the table. Soon, both his hands were totally concentrated on my pussy. He was in no rush, changing speeds, pressure, intensity, sensations. One set of fingers moved as if playing a flute on the area around my clit. The other set explored my hole and the outside of my anus in the same way. I responded audibly. He knew he'd found the sweet spot and began to concentrate his moves on my clit while supporting that sensation with the advances of the other fingers around my hole and my anus. My hips were canting upward, grinding to meet his finger, asking, begging for more pressure, which he supplied. 
He seemed to intuit what I needed. Faster, I whimpered, and he complied. And then, an orgasm that started off so gentle, so releasing, and so satisfying washed over me, and I moaned loudly as my body twisted and my head bent back on the table. As I came, he lightly brushed his fingers over my slit, as if petting it to calm it down. He stuck his fingers inside me again, very gently rubbing my G-spot while using his thumb to massage the outside of my opening. I felt like I could come again, and he knew it. He went at me again. My eyes were tearing up from the intensity and the desire to come again. My body was moving against his hand as if to say, fuck me. And then he had that combination finger fuck, palm slap, ping the clit maneuver once again, and it hit. A rush of rippling and dionysiac tension and release washed over my entire being. My clit was pumping as if fueled by another source outside of my control. The cooling down was just as pleasurable as the orgasm itself, gently swaying me into a relaxed heap of flesh and bones, unable to move or speak. When it was over, like with a regular massage, I lay there for a bit, coming back to this world. He then assisted me up, put my glasses on me, helped me into my robe, and walked me to the couch to sit with a glass of water. The masseur had fostered this self-proclaimed type A personality into a full release. Not just a physical release, but an unleashing of my inhibitions, my control, and my body. He had also given me the gift of a new type of orgasm my body hadn't known before. He left as professionally and as quietly as he had come. I slept like a baby. you guys now that you're nice and relaxed i've got another erotica story coming your way written by the talented malin james it is her fantastic story titled bound unbound The bargain was made after their capture. Their lives and the lives of their men for their total compliance. Then the leaders, a man and a woman, were brought to the magistrate. Collars were placed around their necks. Then the prisoners were separated. Nothing was explained. The woman was drawn down a long marble hall to a thick oak door. The words, Preparation Room, were carved into the wood, though what she was to be prepared for, the guard didn't say. Questioning, she assumed. But it was a plump old woman, not an inquisitor, who finally answered the door. The woman remained silent, unsure of what to say as the groomer took her leash and drew her in. Hello, dear. I'm Merrill, head groomer of the court. Then she shooed the guard away and firmly shut the door. 
A large marble tub filled the center of the room, not a torture device. Though she was still edgy, the woman felt a surge of relief. Then Meryl turned and gave her an apple-cheeked grin. Let's see what we have. The groomer cooed and murmured as she removed the woman's collar and her filthy, tattered clothes. Then, patting the woman absently, she reached for a syringe. It's only serum, my dear. This won't hurt a bit. The woman tensed, but before she could react, the needle was in her neck. Gentle, arthritic fingers depressed the plunger, filling her veins with syrupy warmth. The woman's vision blurred and she staggered. A pleasure coiled through her cunt in delicious, fiery strands. Then the pleasure receded, leaving her vision clear and her body receptively soft. That should help you relax, my dear. Now, let's clean you up. Meryl put out a hand and helped the woman step into the tub, murmuring over the cuts and scars that marred her golden skin. When the prisoner was clean and the water was cold, she wrapped her charge in a towel and told her to lie, face down, on a bench. Then the groomer rolled up her sleeves. She rubbed the woman with lightly scented oils, massaging her back and limbs until the woman began to drift. She was nearly asleep when Meryl turned her over and went to work on her breasts, kneading and stroking her nipples into firm, rosy peaks. Then she moved down the woman's belly to the hollow of her thighs and smiled in delight to find the woman wet. My, how that serum works. The woman's eyes flew open as the groomer slicked her pussy with gentle, experienced strokes. Then a fingertip found the bud of her sex and very gently rubbed. The woman lifted her hips and moaned. Meryl, who'd been noting her progress, smiled, genuinely pleased. Your response is a wonderful sign, she said slowly withdrawing her hand. Still, we must be careful not to tip you over the edge. The woman exhaled resentfully, forcing herself to calm down. Meanwhile, Meryl rummaged about in a large chest of drawers before returning a moment later with a hand-stitched satin bag. Now, let's finish you off. Then the groomer upended the bag. Nipple clamps and manacles poured out in a glittering heap. Stand up straight, my dear. The woman got up off the chair. The clamps were small and delicate, chosen to flatter the prisoner's teardrop breasts. But she flinched when the groomer attached them. They were vicious when affixed. I know, pet. They are nasty things, but they do look lovely on you. The woman grit her teeth at Merrill's milk and cookies tone. But the groomer only chuckled and patted her arm. Then she picked up the silver manacles and dangled them by the chain. Be a dear and hold out your wrists. Fists clenched, the woman obeyed. And now for the finishing touch, Meryl said, snapping on the cuffs. Beaming, the groomer opened an ebony box and lifted something out. 
The woman narrowed her eyes. At first, she couldn't tell what it was. Only when it had encased her neck did she fully understand. It was a silver posture collar, delicate and fine. Despite its obvious beauty, it was easily the most hateful thing the woman had ever seen. Unlike the choker they had placed on her at court, this collar covered her neck from jaw to collarbone, forcing her head up and spanning her throat with glistering silver mesh. The woman turned her head and winced. The collar was lined with barbs. Inside the fragile metalwork, thorns dug into her neck. The woman went very still. One careless movement, and the collar would pierce her skin. What a vision, the old woman said, attaching a velvet leash. You're the first to wear that collar, my dear. It might have been made for you. The woman said nothing. There was nothing to say. She wanted to rip the collar off and strangle Merrill with the leash. The groomer's eyes sparkled. She was clearly pleased with her work. With calibrated pressure, she stroked the woman's sex, like a baker putting the final touches on a cake. Then she rang a hidden bell, summoning the guard. The old woman met her eyes, suddenly grave. There is nothing wrong with wanting, my dear, just so long as you obey. Now then, come with me. The guard led the woman quickly through a maze of empty halls. Edgy and tense, she struggled to keep pace, intensely aware that she was naked and alone with an enemy guard. But he pulled her along as indifferently as if he were walking a dog. The woman set her face, ignoring the barbs that dug into her neck. She'd been prepared for abuse and cruelty. Apathy left her unmoored as did the slickness that coated her thighs with every single step. Down hall after hall he led her as the woman shivered and the ground grew cold beneath her feet. Still, they walked and walked. Then they entered a circular chamber lined by twelve oak doors, set at regular intervals like the numbers on a clock, one of which swung open, revealing a small, jewel-like room. Candles flickered, confusing her vision. Then she saw her partner kneeling in the center of the room, palms pressed flat to the ground. His back was to the door, a position she knew he would loathe. The woman balked. She didn't want to see him like that. Sensing her resistance, the guard yanked on the leash, forcing the barbs of the collar hard against her neck. The woman raised her chin. Then, using the man as a lodestar, she approached with a steady, even tread. Stand up and face the door. In one fluid movement, the man rose and turned around. The woman stumbled, caught off guard. Gone was the cold professional, the man she'd known for years. This man was a stranger, 
a feral thing that the collar barely contained. The woman's cunt fluttered as she took him in, collar, cuffs, and a heavy bronze ring that sat snug at the base of his cock. Naked and bound, he filled the room. The woman tried to look away, aware of his subjugation as she had not been aware of her own. But the collar bit her neck. Left with no options, the woman dropped her gaze. Twenty paces in, she was placed at her partner's side, feet apart, back arched, hands behind her head. She struggled to keep her face neutral, but the pure male scent of him destroyed her good intent. The woman's face flushed. She imagined his mouth covering her nipples in place of the clamps as a thick, needy sweetness pulsed between her legs. The woman arched her back, then a leather-gloved hand cracked down hard across her rump. Be still. Outraged, the woman obeyed. Then the guards came to attention as the chamber door opened, admitting the magistrate. What a pretty pair you make beneath the grime and filth. The magistrate was ageless, with cold, ancient eyes in a dewy maiden's face. Without warning, she reached down and stroked the woman's cunt, massaging her slit and fingering her nub, like an auction bidder assessing a mare. The woman stifled a moan. With the sliver of a smile, the magistrate nodded and moved on to the man. From the corner of her eye, the woman saw the magistrate press two fingers to his pulse. Then she stroked his shaft once and weighted his balls in her hand. The woman's partner tensed. The magistrate stepped back, wiping her fingers on a cloth. You've both been well prepared. And such control. This will be interesting, I think. At the magistrate's signal, a eunuch stepped forward, holding an ebony tray. A pair of keys lay on it, one silver and one bronze. Now, the magistrate said, we are going to have a game. The court has spared your lives and the lives of your men in return for your compliance. Now you will determine the terms of your sentence. The prisoners lowered their eyes. The magistrate circled them slowly like a cat corralling mice. You will be held in this room for twelve hours. If, in that time, you resist the urge to couple, you and your associates will be released, undamaged, after a sentence of one year. If you fail, the court will own you, by rights, as spoils of war. Idly, the magistrate tugged at one of the woman's clamps. Despite the pain, her nipples hardened. To her shallow gratification, tears welled up, but didn't spill. To make the challenge more interesting, you've been given a serum that stimulates the pleasure centers of the brain. You have, I'm sure, begun to notice its effects. The woman thought of the needle and the liquid pleasure that simmered in her veins. She wanted to fight. She wanted to scream. But instead, she closed her eyes. 
The game was stacked against them, but they had a chance to win. Guards, clear the room. The magistrate smiled, a not unbeautiful smile, as the eunuch drew back a curtain, revealing a window six feet in length. As you might imagine, your progress will be watched. Face the window now. Moving as if pulled by the same puppet string, the man and woman turned and faced an amphitheater full of eyes. Then the attention scattered to the other windows circling the room. Except for the men at the back. At the back of the amphitheater, their men were lined up, chained to the rail of a docket. The woman's cheeks burned. Five altogether. The woman turned her head, ignoring the hateful barbs. It didn't matter how they saw her. She and the man were their leaders. They were going to win. The keys to your manacles are on the tray. You may move about as you please, but do not think to relieve your discomfort by pleasuring yourselves. Pleasure each other, or not at all. All else will forfeit the game. Then, without another word, the magistrate left, followed by the eunuch, who did not meet their eyes. For a moment, neither moved. Then the woman went to the tray, intent upon the keys. She was breathing too quickly. She had to move. She had to collect herself before she could play the game. The woman's fingers were trembling as she snatched the silver key, but the sheer act of using it helped her calm down. She was steady by the time the manacles hit the floor. Then she grabbed the bronze key and stood. Throw it, the man said. He had carefully angled his body so that all she could see was the expanse of his buttocks and back. A throb of desire pulsed through her. She felt alive and engorged. Hiding inefficiency, she continued to approach, holding out the key. Don't! His voice was taut and clipped. She took another step. Suddenly, deliberately, her partner turned around. Just throw it, he said. The woman stopped moving as the depth of his arousal had its intended effect. Nerves humming, she dragged her eyes off his cock and lightly tossed the key. Beyond the window, eyebrows lifted. Bets were being placed, while at the back of the amphitheater, their associates watched. The man caught the key midair and unlocked his cuffs. The woman watched, fascinated, unable to look away. They should have left them. The cuffs were only decorative, but they had symbolized restraint. Now, nothing held them back, just the abstract thought of freedom and the safety of their men. Stop staring, she thought, but she didn't. The air between them grew thick. Are you all right? She whispered. The man shook his head. I've been better. You? The woman didn't move. Her breasts ached. Her skin ached. Her swollen cunt ached. It was the serum, she thought. It was pulling her toward him by a thousand tiny hooks. And the more she resisted, the harder it pulled. She wanted to sink to her knees in front of him 
and take him in her mouth. She wanted to lick and suck and tongue until he finished in her throat. Heat spread through her body and drenched her thighs. She could all but smell the arousal on him. The woman took a step. Jesus, cat, don't. The man backed into a pillar, breathing hard. Hazily, she stopped. He'd said her name. He'd called her Cat. Wrapping her arms around herself, the woman backed away. Three hours passed. They remained on opposite sides of the room, caught in a grim detente. The eunuch came and went, bearing a platter of fruit. They were to eat as much as they liked, so long as they only fed each other. They must not feed themselves. Acting in silent agreement, they both ignored the food. Three more hours passed. Rather than wane as the woman had hoped, the serum's effects grew stronger, until the only reward for resistance was ever-increasing need. With growing desperation, she pressed her back against the wall. Her fingers ached to touch her breasts. She longed to spread her legs. She kept her eyes on their associates and tried to ignore the man, who paced and muttered and refused to look her way. She had just drifted into a fevered half-sleep when the eunuch reappeared. The court conveys its compliments, and also a gift. What is it? the woman said, her mouth curved. The court did not give gifts. I am to take your collar off. Slowly, the eunuch removed the chain that was wrapped around his waist and placed it on the floor. Then he raised both hands and approached. It was a gesture of pure placation, as if he thought she'd bite. The insult in the gesture made her want to do just that, but the thought of having the collar off was too good to risk. Please, gather your hair and face the wall. Warily, the woman obeyed, swaying a bit as she did. She didn't want the eunuch, not in any way, but she was so desperate for touch that she lifted her rump in invitation hating herself as she did. I'm sorry, the eunuch said, avoiding her skin as he gently undid the clasps. Then he lifted the hateful thing off. Suddenly, the woman could breathe. Dropping her hair so that it tumbled down her back, the woman stroked her neck, savoring the decadent pleasure of her naked throat. Now, please come this way. The woman's joy in her colorless freedom sank suddenly into dread. Turning slowly, she eyed the eunuch, who stood next to the iron chain in the center of the room. Slowly, she obeyed. Please, hold out your wrists. The eunuch retrieved her manacles and slipped them into place. Then he picked up the iron chain and clipped it to her wrists. Plant your feet and spread your legs. The woman barely heard him. She was focused on the man, who was watching the proceedings with dark, unreadable eyes. Hyper-aware of his presence, 
the woman did as she was told, mortified by the moisture dripping from her sex. Now, please, raise your arms. A wave of panic washed through her, and the woman started to pant. Breathe, the eunuch said. The woman tried to breathe. Good. Now, raise your arms. The woman raised her arms, flinching as the chain attached to the manacles dragged against her nipple clamps. It will be all right, her partner murmured, though his tone betrayed the lie. The woman bowed her head. She didn't want to see his face. So angry, so principled. He had no talent for games. But then, neither did she. Her vision began to shimmer, and she started panting again. Sensing how thinly her nerves were stretched, the eunuch hurried to a panel on the wall. A hook dropped down from the ceiling. The woman trembled, but didn't protest as the eunuch took her chain and looped it on the hook. Then he cranked a lever and drew it back, stopping when the woman's toes barely brushed the floor. Overwhelmed, she moaned. She was stretched and exposed, all skin and nerves. She would die if she wasn't touched. And there was the man, so close she could feel the heat drifting off his skin. Wrenching her shoulders, she angled her body and offered him her breasts, ignoring the voice of reason that was fighting for control. She felt frantic and wild, ready to beg. With a snarl, her partner came closer, prepared to intervene. The eunuch regarded him gravely and held up both his hands. Please, be wise, my friend. With obvious effort, her partner reined himself in. You have been here for six hours, the eunuch continued. Six remain. You may lift your partner off the hook at any time with no fear of penalty. I wish you very sincere good luck. Then the eunuch quietly left. Now the woman understood why her collar had been removed. The barbs would have pierced her, hung up as she was. Shaking from the strain, she almost wished she had it on. Minutes passed like hours. She looked out the window, but barely saw their men. Then something subtle changed a shift in the air. And the woman raised her head. She couldn't see the man, but suddenly she knew that he was going to get her down. Wait, don't touch me, she said. It was a warning, one she hoped he would ignore. She wanted his hands. She wanted his mouth. She wanted his cock between her legs. Her body was humming and wired. If he touched her, she would come. The woman felt, rather than saw, her partner across the room. All pent-up strength, he approached her, ignoring her hazy alarm as he took her by the waist. Every nerve in her body ignited. Closing her eyes and parting her lips, the woman climaxed, 
gently and sweetly as her partner lifted her down. The orgasm should have disturbed her, but it had the opposite effect. Relaxed and enervated, the woman flopped against him, too weak to pull away. Her body was slick from the oils and her sweat. She was fragile and hot in his arms. Feeling smaller and more delicate than she ever had, her hips began to move. Cautiously at first, then demanding, undermining, taking control, and she buried her face in his neck. The orgasm she'd had when he touched her had only been the start. He made a sound low in his throat. Whether anger or surrender, the woman didn't know, but it vibrated through her bones. Then his hand slid down her body, squeezing her rump as her legs tightened around his waist, joining them cock to cunt. His pulse jumped and she licked it, suddenly awake. Slowly, breathlessly, her mouth drifted over his. Tongues darted, teeth grazed, not quite a kiss. They were tipping on the edge. We are going to lose, he said. His breath was ragged, his voice rough. It was a simply stated fact. Yes, she said, we are. Tightening his grip on her body, he groaned and found her mouth. There was nothing gentle in that kiss. Tongues licked and teeth bit. The woman's manacles rattled as she rubbed against his shaft with her greedy, desperate sex. His hands mauled her body, but she batted them away. She was desperate and impatient. She didn't want to wait. When he slammed her back into a pillar, she smiled against his lips. Fuck me on the floor. Grunting, the man gripped her and swung her to the ground. The woman spread her legs like a decadent whore, allowing him to see her freshly shaven sex. With a predatory smile, the man yanked her to him by the ankles and knelt between her legs. He moved up her body with purpose, not slowly, like a lover, but like an animal desperate to eat. With nimble, impatient fingers, he removed the clamps from her nipples and hungrily sucked her breasts. Slowly at first, tasting them and then grazing them with his teeth, the woman shrieked but didn't pull away as the pain from the clamps melted in the heat of his mouth. Then, with a final sucking kiss, he moved down between her legs. She bared her teeth as his tongue found her slit and he skillfully lapped her up. With a sound of pure male pleasure, he pierced her with his tongue. The woman began to convulse. Chasing the sensation, she pressed her cunt to his mouth as her voice broke and she started to peek. Arching and writhing, she bucked against his face, but he held her there firmly, licking relentlessly until she finally stilled. The man sat back and watched her, the woman opened her eyes. Then she hooked a leg around him and flipped him on his back. Loose-limbed and loose-hipped, the woman straddled him. She was slick and ready, but there was still time to stop. 
One look at their men in the docket, and the woman might have stopped. But she didn't look. She didn't care. All she saw was the man. All she felt was anticipation as she lifted her hips and took him to the hilt. Beyond the window, money changed hands. Roughly, desperately, the prisoners started to fuck. The woman rode him, hard, embracing the animal pleasure that had taken control of her limbs. The man bucked beneath her. Her cunt began to clench. With a sudden, brutal tremor, she threw back her head and came. Wave after wave crashed through her as she rode the climax out. Arching her back and rolling her hips, she met him thrust for thrust as the muscles of her channel fluttered around his cock. She felt him swell inside her. She felt his body tense. Then he gripped her waist and moaned as she milked him with her sex. When the magistrate entered with a contingent of guards, she found two principled, disciplined creatures in a state of utter debauch. The female was on her hands and knees, mewling like a cat, while the male held her by the hair and fucked her from behind. The magistrate raised a brow. I'm afraid your time is up. The male sprang to his feet, yanking the woman behind him, Agitated and angry, the female bared her teeth. The guards shifted uneasily, but the magistrate surveyed the situation and ordered them to stand down. Our guests are not a threat, she said. They need a moment to calm. Her tone was bland and dismissive, a cultured, civilized tone. With a visible effort, the prisoners regained their control, and with it came the knowledge of what they had done. When their eyes were clear and sick with shame, the magistrate approached. Despite an admirable effort, you and your men are now slaves of the court. We failed, the man said. Our associates did not. They... The magistrate put up her hand. You would like to bargain for their freedom, but the terms of the game were clear. But you drugged us, said the woman. How could we succeed? The magistrate cocked her head. The serum? It wore off eight hours ago, long before you failed. Smiling, the magistrate allowed the statement to fully sink in. The man stared out at the empty docket. Beside him, the woman blanched. What will happen to us? She whispered. What will happen to them? A mated pair is rare. You will be auctioned off to pay for the price of your capture. As for your associates, they will be held and evaluated. Some will serve as men. Some will serve in other ways. 
The magistrate glanced at the eunuch as heavy, utilitarian collars were placed around their necks. You may take them now. Leashes were snapped to their collars and the pair was led from the room. They were taken to a garden at the center of the court, a glorious indoor construction full of watery color and light. The woman's eyes softened, lulled by the scene, as fountains bubbled and peacocks cried. Her system was numb and drowsy, exhausted by the stress. But beside her, the man grew tense. A moment later, she understood why. The garden was full of cages, cages in which animals, some human and some not, languished and paced. Somewhere in her head, a voice prompted her to fight. She ignored it and watched the man, comforted by the gentle pull of her leash. She was only slightly disturbed when they approached the central cage, a monstrous wrought iron thing. Silently, it opened. Just as silently, it shut. Then a crowd, their appreciative audience, descended on the garden bearing heavy pouches of gold. For Stupid Fish Productions, this is Rose Caraway. I'd like to thank the following musical artists. Grapes, Graham Revel, Docs, Nine Inch Nails, Jazar, Kevin McLeod, Disparition, Tardis, <laughs> as in Doctor Who? <laughs> cool. Really? That's the name. All right. And the feature credit song by Sacramento's own Death Grips. They are, by the way, currently touring with Nine Inch Nails and Soundgarden. And, of course, we here in Sectown are very proud of that. Death Grips has actually been featured on the Kiss Me Quicks podcast before, so maybe you guys might recognize them. All right, I'd also like to thank Lady Cheeky for her story, The Massage. Check out the wealth of sexual knowledge that is Lady Cheeky at smutforsmarties.com. I would also like to give my very, very, very special thanks to Malin James for specifically writing her story, Bound, Unbound, just for you, lurid listeners, the KMQ fans. She is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers, you guys, and is one of the many super talented writers 
that is featured in the audiobook, The Big Book of Orgasms. Malin can be found at malinjames.com. Also, you guys, I would encourage you to go check out the phenomenon, otherwise known as The Big Book of Orgasms, 69 Sexy Stories, edited by Rachel Kramer Bussell. Go ahead and head on over to audible.com or iTunes and search Rose Caraway, and everything that I have ever narrated will pop right up, including The Big Book of Orgasms. And don't forget, if you guys want more Rachel Kramer Bustle, head over to the Sexy Librarian podcast uh, in iTunes, and the interview I had with her will be featured there. It is titled Rachel Kramer Bustle in the Flesh. So I hope you guys do enjoy that. It's about an hour long, so I know that you will. I know that I haven't been very vocal about my anthology, The Sexy Librarian's Big Book of Erotica, and that has been because we're still getting things organized and situated and It looks like everything is moving forward. So I am so excited. I still can't tell you who the authors are officially, but I will be able to very soon. So just know that and know that being the sexy librarian that I am, I have collected a phenomenal cast of authors and the stories that are featured in this book will thrill you, excite you, entice you and make you horny. So stay tuned for more updates on the sexy librarians. Big Book of Erotica, edited by me. The Kiss Me Quicks is produced by Big Daddy Dave Carraway. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica podcast, and I will see you soon. Stupid fish. Thank you, Guga. Boogie, 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 That was my. <laughs> oh my God. You know, sometimes I think that tongues are not a blessing, they're a curse. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>